Cape Christian's legacy of leadership and discipleship began long before the turn of the century. From humble beginnings in a small school gym with a congregation of less than 50, Cape Christian has grown to be a powerhouse community of kingdom builders standing more than 4,000 strong. Today, Cape Christian is poised for future growth and development, paving the way for new believers at every turn. We are one church. United for community. United for family. United for growth. We are Cape Christian. United for everyone. Hey, yeah, what's up, everybody? You guys good? So good to have you. Also, shout out to everybody online. Uh, we're wrapping up our For Everyone series. And, and while we've been talking about vision and expanding, really what uh, it seems like God has been speaking to us about is really this idea of faith. Uh, the idea that, that he wants us to lean into and grow our faith. We talked about, um, my friend Pastor John was here about four weeks ago. And if you remember, he started this idea. If you want to see God do something, he encourages us to do what? Anybody remember? Dig ditches. You were here and you remembered. I'm so proud of you guys. So digging ditches. And so the idea is if we want uh, God to fill some things, we got to create space, but we got to be willing to do it before he asks us to. And um, I was actually having a conversation with one of my friends who's a pastor somewhere else, um, kind of tracking what's going on here and explaining things. And, um, and I found myself saying a couple things that it, it, even though we've had a hurricane and even though we've had uh, you know, a pandemic and all the other stuff, I said, you know, things have actually gone so good for so long at Cape Christian that I can't remember the last time we actually had to have faith for something. You know what I'm saying? Like things were so good. It's like, we're kind of like, I would say the average American family. There's not much we don't have that we need. And so what do you need to believe God for if you already have what you need? And, and, and so I said, well, in light of how frustrated I am that we haven't even broken ground, that's gonna happen in February. I see a divine delay in this where God has set us up to go, I wanna create some space where I want you to deepen and sharpen and strengthen and lean into your faith a little bit more. And so I've moved from frustrated to really excited. Um, and so now we find ourselves, because uh, where we started four years ago was almost doable, but now we need to see God do a God thing. Amen. Amen. And so um, we're going to dig ditches and, and we've been talking about faith. We've been talking about growth and we're going to kind of bring it all to a head this weekend. Um, but just a reminder of kind of where we started a few weeks ago, Hebrews 11, 1, the, here's the unique element of faith. Hebrews says that faith is confidence in what we hope for. Now, let me ask you something. If you hope for something, do you have it yet? No. So faith re required what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And so we are stepping out in faith going, God, we believe that you are not done in our life. We believe you are not done in our community. And we believe that you are not done in our church. And so what is my part and what is my stake in this? And, and what's true is that we all have faith in something. Isn't that right? We all put our faith and our trust. In fact, we all have faith. Our faith reveals what we are invested in. 
Our faith reveals where we put our, our heart, our hope, our investment, because all of us, and this is not bad, we're all invested into something. We're invested into our business. We're invested into our kids. We're invested into our marriage or whatever the case may be. And you know that when you're invested into something, you care a lot about it, right? Like anybody ever been a season ticket holder for a sports team? right? Like it doesn't matter. Like it could be hot as blazes and 90,000 degrees. We're like, we are going to be at the Dolphins game. We got season tickets. Who cares if we melt, right? Like, or it could be 30 degrees in the Midwest and like they don't have an outdoor, you know, you're not the Vikings. You don't get to play indoor. Like tailgate, we got to go season tickets, right? If you're invested, you super care. Or if you've ever done like had a free class, like maybe a master class or a, a workout class, right? If, if you go like, oh man, I pay for this workout class. You're up at 5 a.m. for some gym coach to tell you why you're going to die today, right? Like, yeah. But if it's free, you're like, yeah, I think I'm not going to go to that today, right? Or if it's a master class, like, eh, I don't really care. But if you paid, you're like, I'll stay up till midnight learning something or whatever the case. Or maybe you remember, anybody ever have the junker car to start out, right? You know, you know, it was like handed to you or whatever. It's like, listen, I don't care if you eat in it. I don't care if you pee on it. I don't care if you vomit in it, like whatever. Then you invest in your new car and you're like, listen, okay, I'll drive, but nobody breathe, <laughs> right? And so what we're invested in shows where our faith is. And we all invest into things, but the challenge as a follower of Jesus and the thing we have to watch out for is that we have to make sure the problem that is that some of us, we invest into things that don't last. And Jesus warns us and instructs us, hey, I want to invite you to invest into eternal things at last. In fact, in his first sermon in Matthew 6, he says this, uh, verse 19, he says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths can eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves can break in and steal them. And he goes on in verse 20 to say, but, but store up treasures in heaven, invest into something else. And so we see this principle from the beginning of the Old Testament, from the words of Jesus in the New Testament, that God, as followers of Jesus, as a faith community has created us to pour, not store. Okay, I feel like at least once a month, I have to remind you guys, this is one of those churches that when the person on, that's no, too late, it's too late, you missed it, says something that's good, you need to talk to yourself. You need to remind your soul the truth is good. Amen, hootie hoo, dilly dilly, say it again, preach it, brother. Uh, say it again for the people in the back, whatever it is. Like, I, we need some interaction here. And so, uh, and that was a good one. And I know it because I stole it from somebody way smarter than me, okay? Uh, and so God has created us to pour, not just store. Thank you. And here's what I love. Um, just sidebar, we're about to do the, like, the most fun Old Testament journey through the Old Testament series starting next week. We're going to have a blast with it. I can't wait. We've been planning. I can't wait. Um, but I'm just going to give you a preview because you see this from the very beginning of the journey of God through, with his people. If you look at the Old Testament, Genesis is the setup chapter and Exodus is the beginning where God starts to, to journey with his people. And so a little bit of background, we see from the beginning, God says, you're not just gonna store, you're gonna pour. And so it goes like this, that for 400 years, God's people, Israel, were slaves in Egypt. And I mean the bad kind of slavery, the worst kind, built another nation. And so what happened is God used Moses to bring Israel out of Egypt, and he brought him to this mountain called Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai, same thing. And um, Moses would go up, talk to God, and then come down and tell the people what God said, and here's the instruction. And he was teaching them how to live as free people, but he was literally journeying and being with them in his presence and all of those things. And so um, what would happen is Moses would go up, but when he didn't go up to the mountain, he would set up a tent outside of the community, and he would literally go meet with God. And we see this at the end of the book of Exodus, that, that God is, as soon as he frees them, he's like, I'm gonna make sure that you understand what this whole thing is about. And so Exodus 33, verse seven, it says this. 
Um, Moses, by the way, he's already gone up. He's already gotten the Ten Commandments. That's already happened. Um, he says, Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. This is so cool. I wish we could still do this. I'm so jealous. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would just go to the tent meeting outside of camp and God would show up and talk to him. Like, why can't we just have that, Dave? Like, that's what I'm talking about, right? It says, but whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose, stood at the entrance to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. In my version, this is the first walkout song. This is the first walkout to the very football game, tunnel walk, uh, entrance to the boxing ring. Moses was the original walkout. Like he'd walk out and they all just stand. I don't know if ACDC was playing or Van Halen or Usher. Like, I don't know, but it was like a thing. Cause like, here he goes, you know, I don't know how they knew, but they knew. Actually, I know why, because this is what verse nine tells us why. So they would come and go, but as Moses would go into the tent, check this out, this is crazy. The pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. So everybody else would come and go, but when Moses went in, it was like the cloud, the, the fire of God would sit. Be, so that's why they're like, oh. So it's probably more of a worship song, truthfully. Actually, it says it right here. And whenever the people saw the pillar standing at the entrance tent, they all stood and worshiped at the entrance to their own tent. And the Lord would speak with Moses face to face as one speaks with a friend. So from the beginning, we see God's given Moses these downloads and he's talking and the pillar would show up and, and God made it clear, I wanna dwell with my people and I want you to experience my presence and I want you to experience my power. And they would talk. And so if you gotta follow, I wanna kind of walk you through this story because it's really interesting. What, what would happen is Moses then, after this would happen, as history records it, Moses goes back up to the... To the um, to the mountain because uh, earlier he had gotten the 10 commandments. God literally wrote the 10 commandments, but Moses lost his mind, got so mad that he broke them. And God was like, I didn't tell you to do that. Like Moses' anger got the best of him. Once again, killed a dude in his youth, broke the 10 commandments, not a great track record. Um, and so he has to go back up and, and he's like, so God, you know, those like tablets you wrote those really cool things on? Like I broke them. Think I can get another one? And so God writes it again, and that's what happens. And, and God's like, try to be careful this time. We're not going to keep doing this. It's kind of a waste of resources. Um, and so he comes back down, and God gives Moses this download. He's like, hey, I have a better idea. Here's how, here's how I can protect those tablets, because you have an anger problem. Uh, we can also solve this tent of meeting thing, and we can also like do this. Let's set up something where I can just be with you guys all the time. And so here's what he instructed Moses. If you go a couple chapters later in first. Four of chapter 35, it says this, Moses said to the whole Israelite community, we got a new plan to house God's presence. This is what the Lord commanded, verse five. From what you have, take an what? Offering, offering for who? Lord. Not for Moses, not for Israel, but for the Lord. And everyone who is willing, just bring what, to the Lord an offering. So Moses says, hey, I'm not gonna like manipulate you or whatever. He's like, here's the deal. God has a plan. God has a vision. And I'm asking everybody who's willing to bring an offering to the Lord because God has a really specific thing that he just told me between the tent and the mountain. And here's what we are going to do. And he lays out, he's like, so here's what we need. We need an offering of gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, goat hair, ram skin, dyed red, another type of durable leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, fragment incense, and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and the breastpiece. Basically, Moses like, God has a plan. We're gonna do these priest thing. We're gonna set up a tabernacle. And God thought through everything. And some of you got gold and some of you got goat's hair and some of you got red linen. And so listen, different ones of you got different things, but you just bring what you got. And I believe if we collect it, we can set it up and we can have a place where God's power and his presence can reside among us and we can experience his power. So this is from the beginning. So this is really cool. So we go on. 
And that's exactly what happened. And so watch this. In verse 10, it says, so, and he says, now all who are skilled among you, you are come to make everything as the Lord commanded. Watch the unbelievable detail how thought out this is. The tabernacle with its tent and its covering, clasps, frames, crossbars, posts, and bases, the ark with its poles and its atonement cover, the curtain that shields it, the table with the poles and all its articles for the bread and the presents, the lampstand that is the light for accessories, lamps and oil for light, the altar for incense with its poles, the anointing oil, the fragrance incense, the curtain for the doorway, the entrance of the tabernacle, and the altar for the burnt offering with its bronze grating, its poles, its utensils, the bronze basin with the stand, the curtains for the courtyard, the posts for the bases, the curtain for the entrance of the courtyard, the tent pegs uh, for the tabernacle in the courtyard and their ropes, the woven garments worn for ministering the sanctuary, both the sacred garments for the Aaron the high priest and the garments for his sons when they served the priests. Whew! Dude, God... God's like the original general contractor. Like he is like the blueprint master. He's like, I dotted every I, I crossed every T. We aren't leaving any detail out. This is how big it's gonna be. This is how long it's gonna be. This is what we're gonna need. And we're all gonna do this and it's gonna house my presence and you're gonna be able to show the world what I'm like and we're gonna change the world together. Notice, and notice the detail. There was a vision. God's like, I knew exactly what I wanted. But here's, let me ask you this question. What did the Israelites have? Where had they been the last 430 years? Egypt, Egypt doing what? Building their 401k? No, getting whipped, making bricks for Pharaoh's Egypt. They've been slaves for 430 years. They've been free for like 10 minutes. And God's like, hey, bring me what you got. Bring me an offering. And so from the beginning, God's like, hey, I'm going to take care of you, but we're going to build a community where we do this together and we're going to house my presence and we're going to show the world that we do things differently. But I want you to check this out. I never thought of this and I've read this many times. I love the book of Exodus, but all the stuff that God's asking for, where did they get it? Egypt, Egypt, because after Pharaoh had had enough and he's like, get out of here, the Bible says, and why don't you take a bunch of our stuff with you? Take our animals and take our gold and silver and take all camel's hair and take all that and take the blue and purple. And so God literally provided what he needed for his temple, his sanctuary, his tabernacle through the pagan nation of, 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 of Egypt. And so all that Israel had was what the world had given them. And God said, most of it's gonna provide for you, but set some aside for me because I have something I wanna do with it. And so from the beginning, we see that God's saying, I don't want you just to store, but I want you to pour out and I'm gonna use what the world has and take care of you. But if you bring some of it back, we're gonna make a difference in the world. And that's literally what we are doing here now. Uh, I love that they didn't have anything, only what the world provided. And he wanted to make sure from the beginning, don't ever get mistaken that the plunder I give you from the world, and I will, is not just only for you. Yes, I wanna bless you, but I wanna bless you so that you can be a blessing to other people. And this is one of the things that will set us apart from all the other nations and religions in the world. And we see that God, even while they were slaves in Egypt, had a plan for the hosting his presence in the tabernacle, and he pre-provided for the mission and the vision that he was about to give the people. How often does God give us something we need? And he's like, this is for later. This is for what I'm gonna do next in your family, in your life, in your church. I just need you to steward and take care of it my way because in a minute, I'm gonna let you continue to use it, but we're also gonna build the kingdom with it. And so uh, we see that that's exactly what happened. And so I love this. And, and, and here's candidly where we're at. And this is our approach. Exodus 35, 29. All the Israelite men and women who were willing brought to the Lord freewill offerings for all the work the Lord through Moses had commanded them to do. 
And so where we are as a church, I'm a modern day Moses going, God has given us a vision. We have to expand our capacity so more people can experience his freedom, his love, his power, his presence. And I'm just asking everybody who's willing to bring what you got. And I believe if everybody who calls this place home brings what they got, then we're gonna see God do more than he's ever done before. We're gonna continue to be blessed to be a blessing. And so I wanna kind of finish the story because it's really cool. The next five chapters I'm not gonna read, but it's unbelievable specific detail about everything and how the tabernacle was to be. And God didn't miss out on one thing. I mean, from the ark to the table, to the lampstand, to the altar of incense, to the burnt offering altar, the base in the courtyard, the priestly garments, all of it. But we see this kind of come to an end a few chapters later in Exodus 39, verse 32. It says this, so all the work on the tabernacle and the tent of meeting was completed and the Israelites did everything just as the Lord had commanded them through Moses. And so then they go, so, so you have step one is they brought all the stuff to Moses. And then in step two, they set everything up in chapter 40. I love how this ends. And this is our vision. Our goal is verse 33. Then Moses set up the courtyard around the tabernacle and the altar and put up a curtain to the entrance in the courtyard. And so Moses finished the work. And why did they do it? Why, did, why, does, why does Exodus give us seven chapters of unbelievable detail about stuff? You're like, ah, who cares? because of the way the book of Exodus ends, because it's about to be the journey of the rest of the Old Testament. And we see here's the end, verse 34 through 38 of chapter 40. It says, and when they completed it and they finished and they hit every nail and they did all this, here's what happened. Here was the byproduct of their, of their generosity and their obedience. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. That's, that's the vision of for everyone that the power and the presence of God, that we would be marked not by a building, not by a church, not by a pastor, not by a city, not by a legacy, but that the power and the glory of God would hover and rest. And that when people, and every week we hear stories that when people walk in, whether it's a message or whether it's a worship song, that they are wrecked in the best way by the power and the presence and the glory of God. And we've been doing it for 37 years and we're planning for the next 37 because there's generations that are coming up that we're gonna need to lead from slavery into freedom, but we gotta be the ones to go first. And so this has been the prayer of our board and our staff that God, that we would not, we're, we're only doing this so that your glory would fill this place. Once again, we, where we can host your presence and your power. And then it says something unique happened that didn't happen in the old tent. Moses now could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And in all, this is so cool. In all of the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they would stay. They would stay until it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day and fire was in the cloud by night in the sight of all of Israel during all their travels. What's the significance of the glory and the power and the presence of God? That it literally guides us in where we're to go, when we're to move and when we're to stop. How much of our life is like, should I, should I take the steps? Should I not? Should I say yes to the business? Should I take the promotion? Should I, should I say yes to the dress? Should I say yes to the man? Like whatever it is. And this is literally one of the first functions of God. It's like, I'm literally gonna walk with you and guide you as we see in the New Testament to keep in step with the spirit. And this is why. Two things that we've been talking about, the power of God, the presence of God, the power of God, the presence of God, the power of God and the presence of God. And from this moment on, you're gonna read a story that the power of God does things through people that they would not be able to do in and of themselves. You see the power of God gives them the ability to slay giants. 
The power of God is going to close the mouths of lions. It's going to protect them from deadly, fiery flames. The power of God in a few chapters, in a couple of wars, is going to confuse enemies and have them turn on each other. It's going to resurrect dry bones. The power of God breaks down walls. The power of God builds up walls that need to be rebuilt. The power of God leads them from slavery into freedom. And that's not just what the power of God did in Exodus. It's what the power of God does today, here, and now for those of us who make room in our hearts and lives for the power of God. And then you have the presence of God. Well, what's the presence of God? It's the glory. There's this peace beyond understanding. There's this joy that doesn't make sense. There's this sense of security and purpose and the ability to like myself so that I, I, can, I can add value to others. It will guide me. It, there's times that the presence warned them. There's time that the presence would instruct us. The times that the presence would empower them, bless them, heal them. The presence of God forgives sins. The, power, the presence of God redeems. The presence of God restores. The presence of God takes our worst, washes us and gives us his best and we get to go clean and white as snow. We're always to be marked by the power and the presence of God. I didn't even say this last service, but when Paul makes his appeal to one of the churches in the New Testament, he goes, I didn't come at you with fancy words. I just came with power. I came with the presence. And if that was Paul's MO, then I don't know that we should graduate from that. And so for us, that's, what, that's why we're raising this capital. It's why we're expanding our capacity. And for us, we're not just trying to bless us. We're trying to bless our city. So for us, this for everyone uh, approach, this for everyone story, this for everyone campaign really has three-pronged approach. And I'll tell you uh, from the beginning, one of the best parts about this is everything that comes in for everyone, 10% of it first goes to all of our ministry partners. Last week, you got to hear about all that God is doing in us and through us. Hopefully you got one of those books of our 45 ministry partners. What you also need to know is we have about 45 more waiting in the wings so that we continue to grow and have more resources. We're just gonna continue to fund the kingdom more around the globe. And so it's not just about for us, but it's what we can see God do around the, the, the globe. But there's kind of this three prongs for, you heard it in the video, for everyone. It's, first of all, it's for family. Somebody say family. We still believe the family is the most important unit God created, God created, the church and the family. And we're all about families. We want families healed, restored. We want strong marriages. We want kids to be safe. We want them to learn about Jesus. And, and I feel like hopefully our, uh, literally our campus speaks for itself. I mean, we have families and kids on our campus, hundreds of them every single day because we have the park and the pavilion um, the splash pads. Here's what we haven't even told you yet that part of what we're doing and it's happening, it's gonna start in January is um, go ahead and go to the splash pad. That's cool, but that's about as good as it does right now. It's kind of embarrassing. So we're fixing it. We're gonna renovate and upgrade uh, the entire splash pad and kind of Disneyfy it. And some of you don't like that, but it's fine. You'll be fine. Um, <laughs> taking what Egypt has and making it Israel. Just remember that. Uh, we're gonna add pickleball courts to our campus. And so we're just, we're inviting. Whoa. Oh, I thought that was just for old people. All the young people over here going crazy. I mean, I like pickleball, but I'm old. So, but do you know what the number one reason that people have found Jesus through Cape Christian in the last 10 years is? Our park. We didn't know it was a church. We were just looking for a place for our kids to slide, to have. We were looking for a pavilion for our quinceanera or our birthday party. And we heard music. We heard noise. We checked it out. What's this? We have people that now on Sundays will start in the park and they hear all this stuff coming out of this tent and then they grab a coffee and they keep going closer and they keep going closer and they're just kind of looking in and watching worship and some of them have now made it in the tent and now some of them have made it into the kingdom of heaven because we're for families. We're, we're all about families. Second thing is for community. Somebody say community. We're for our community. I can't even begin to list all of the things we do on a monthly or annual basis for our city. Um, Lee Health does one of their major events here. In fact, they can't even have it in here, so they have to rent a giant tent. When we get our new building, they can actually do it inside. And I don't know if you know this, but in Florida, inside is better in the summer. Um, 
We have our nurses convention. They're here every year. Our Cape Coral Community Foundation, we've hosted two of their events in the last two weeks. We're a major partner of theirs. We have several Alcoholic Anonymous and one, I think, NA uh, group that meets here weekly. So we're helping people stay free from addiction and walking in freedom. We are, uh, yeah, absolutely. We do a Christmas village. We built, I don't know if you know, we built the light tunnel today. It's up. Uh, we'll have, we'll have 40,000 people on our campus in two and a half weeks. And many of them will come here about Jesus at our Christmas service. Um, why we're doing a week long of them. We have about 15 of them. Um, we think we may have close to 10,000 people for Christmas this year. Um, we have uh, city employees do a massive uh, event here. We, again, I mentioned a few weeks ago, we do weddings and funerals, more funerals than weddings because it's Florida. Um, but, uh, I guess that joke's funny twice. Um, you know, every year in March, we, we, shut down our, we shut down the whole church. And rather than be in the seats, we get into the streets. Rather than go to church, we go be the church. And we're looking at about 125 serve projects, close to 3,000 people going. I just had a coach uh, from one of the coaches from one of the schools. They don't really go here. They're like, you guys doing serve day? Our whole team is in. We want to be a part of what you're doing because we're for our community. I mean, you heard last week. Thank you. Served uh, the... I mean, the hurricane was the most incredible thing I've ever been a part of to watch what, what you did, what we did. Uh, Marco did a great job of reminding us of that. And so it's for community. And then the other part is it's for growth. Somebody say growth. growth. Um, after uh, the hurricane happened, um, our city manager, there was a transition. We had an interim city manager. And as soon as we kind of got things back up, he said, hey, I want to meet with you. And he just goes, how'd you do it? I go, what do you mean? He goes, how did you get five or 600 people to give up their time and just help serve? How do you activate and mobilize so many volunteers? I'm like, well, we have a cheat code. I said, most of our volunteers, they serve Jesus. And so that informs their worldview. And so that's a really good place to start. I said, but beyond that, I just think that people are looking for a place to help. And so he said, will you meet with me every month? Um, and let's just talk about how we can make our city better. So I've been meeting with our city manager um, for almost the last year and we're just dreaming together um, because in addition to all those things, once a year we hold a global leadership summit where we host business leaders from the area and help them get better. We do a monthly business leaders lunch where we network community leaders and help them get better because we believe everybody wins when a leader gets better. We have six weekend experiences. We have men's group every week. We have women's group every week. We have kids stuff every week. We have groups, uh, again, city employees, Lee Health, in fact, when um, I just had breakfast with our city manager this week, uh, Mike, we've become friends. And uh, I was telling him about what we're doing and, and all that. He'd been gone this summer. I'd been gone that summer. And I showed him the video I showed you guys two weeks ago. And his jaw literally dropped. He goes, I cannot tell. This is our city manager. said, I cannot tell you how bad the city of Cape Coral needs that building. That we are, there is a deficit on meeting space. And he goes, I think there's some resources available. Let's figure out what we can do for you guys. Like we have our city seeing that we're helping. And so... Again, we're for growth. And you know what else he told me? He goes, we're on this high incline growth and it's not gonna stop at least until 2033. That's what he said. And so I hope you've enjoyed this being a small town because that's, oh, it's over. But we have this new building. We have an outdoor facility. We're gonna have this room. We're gonna have 1,300 seats. Again, the hospitals have said, yes, please. The schools have said, yes, please. The city has said, yes, please. And, 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 and people are helping us do it. And so that's where we are at. But what's it gonna take? It's gonna require a little bit of faith. And it's gonna require all of us who have whatever the world has given us that are willing to say, I'll bring a little bit of what I got and I'm gonna let God do what he does. And we wanna tell a story that only Jesus can tell because this isn't about Pastor Corey and it's not about Cape Christian. It's about the, making the name of Jesus famous everywhere we go and where he is lifted up that his, I believe his power and his presence are gonna go with. And so here's what we need. We're asking everybody to do three things for community, for family and for growth. We're asking everybody to, to join us and do three things. 
First of all, we're asking everybody to pray with us. Just pray that God would do the unbelievable, like he would make a way where there is no way. Um, James, the brother of Jesus, uh, has this really great kind of a rendering on faith in James chapter two. And he kind of sums it up right here in James 2.17. He says, in the same way, faith by itself is dead. Or, or, uh, I'm sorry, uh, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. So for us, to, we're talking about having faith. It's one thing to have belief or hope, but James is saying, if you just hope for hope's sake, cool story, bro. You know what he actually says? He goes, I'll show you my faith by where I'm investing where my energy going, by what I'm doing, where my time is. Um, and so he says, if you, I'll show you my faith by what I'm doing. And so basically, according to James, if our faith doesn't cause us to act, it's really not faith at all. And so here's where I'm asking you to lean in, exercise, grow, stir up your faith. Number one, pray. Pray over the month of November. We have a commitment, kind of a commitment celebration weekend mapped out December 2nd and 3rd. Until then, we got four more weeks, we're gonna pray. We have a prayer guide, a 28-day prayer guide that's coming out next week that's available to everybody. We give different scriptures and prayer points every day. And we're, we, if we're, John said to us three weeks ago, if we wanna see God do what only he can do, we also gotta do what we can do. And we can pray and we can, and so that's one thing is we can pray. Number two, we're asking everybody to give. We're asking everybody, what has the world given you that you would willingly go, here's what I could afford to let go of, or here's what I'll sacrifice so that we can see a place to host the presence and the power of God so that we can walk people from slavery and darkness and evil into light and life that will flourish and grow and Jesus will, will be glorified. And so we're asking for two things. I, I, I said this, I'll, just a reminder, two weeks ago we talked about this. Um, the big picture for that, the building, 1,300 seats and all that it is and all the workspace, it's a $21 million project right now. That's a lot of guacamole where I come from, but to a God who spoke the earth into existence, he's like, that's laughable. And so I'm not relying on you or us, I'm relying on God to do it, and he wants us to be a part of it. And so more immediately, where we need to break ground in February is we need two things. We need two year, a two-year pledge from everybody of what could you do over the next two years. We need at least $6 million of pledges to come in in the next, in the next two months, and that's, we're marking that out. As importantly as that, we also need four more million dollars cash to purchase the loan. Um, we know what we can afford to borrow. We don't want to become house poor and have all of our ministries suffer. And so we need six million dollars in pledges over two years, but we need four million dollars cash by Christmas so that we can purchase the loan and break ground. That's, that's what we're going to need. And I know that sounds like a lot of money, but when you think that there's about 6,000 people that come through here on a monthly basis, if we all do our part, God's got this. And so I'm not really thinking about four and six. I'm thinking about 21 to 50. Uh, because we have plans far beyond this building. This is just the beginning of we believe what God wants to do. Um, and so we're asking you to give. And so here's what we're asking for the next month. Would you think about those two things? You're all gonna get, actually get a pledge card on your way out. Um, if it offends you, you can throw it on the ground and write me an email. I'll be happy to reply to that. Um, we're just inviting you, just like Moses did. And so the two things I wanna uh, highlight, we're gonna be collecting these on December 2nd and 3rd, but on the bottom is what could you do over two years? And then on the top is, out of that portion, these are all the same, how much of that could I bring by Christmas so we can try to secure that loan? So if I'm gonna do $30,000, that's my two-year pledge. But if I can give 10 by Christmas, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna pledge 30, but I can give 10. And that's gonna help us when we go to our bank to go, we got this and, and we're ready to go. So um, we're praying, asking everybody to pray. Some of you, and we're asking you to give. Some of you, we're asking you to give out of your wealth. And some of you, we're asking you to give out of your finance your, uh, sacrificially. That's between you and the Lord. Whatever you're willing to do, and we want you to have a month to pray about it. Um, there's, and if some of you are like, man, things are so tight. I just want to encourage you. If you come to the, the, the town hall meeting we're having next, um, next week, we're going to give some tools and more vision and answer questions next Thursday night. But there's some really creative ways to give. Did you know that if you just give up one cup of coffee a week for two years, it leads to a couple thousand dollars? 
Did you know that if you skip one uh, habit, if you cancel one Hulu, Netflix subscription for two years, it leads to several hundred dollars. There's so many things you could do that you go without that you probably would miss that could, that could move the needle hundreds and thousands of dollars without you having to change your life if you're like, man, the things are really tight. Some of you, maybe it's airmarking money. That's between you and the Lord. Um, there's a lot of way, ways you can give. And so that's the second thing. And then the third thing, we're asking everybody to pray. We're asking everybody to give. And then here's the deal. I know we're out of space. I know we have a million services every weekend. Um, nobody feels it more than me and the worship team. But I'm asking you to continue to invite. Invite people to church and invite people on a faith journey. Tell them about what God's doing in your life because your story is giving hope. Your, those locks, those names on those locks that you walk by every weekend, they're hurting, they're broken, they're dying, they're starving, they're lonely, they're isolated, and they need the Jesus that you have. And so we're not gonna let a capacity issue or too many services be a reason we stop inviting. So continue to invite somebody. Have one person that you're actively praying for, inviting to church and trying to lead to Jesus. Continue to, who do I need to invite? Because as many of us have these amazing stories and every, I just saw a baptism after the last service as you were coming in. Every, we have stories every week. As many great stories as we have, we have a whole lot more people out there that need the Jesus that you're serving. More people like Cora. Six and a half years ago, my life changed completely. I lost my 22-year-old son to an overdose, and my life went into a spiral. I stayed sober, but a hole started opening. It, it's a God-shaped hole. Dr. Joe and I had met a couple months before Hurricane Ian. He found out I was riding out a hurricane by myself. After he was done digging this out of my mom's neighborhood, um, every day he's off and running to this church. He was so impassioned by what he was doing. And I remembered that feeling. I remembered getting sober 10 and a half years ago and remembered being of service. Finally, I said, I, I, I wanna go. I, I wanna check this out. So the weekend after Thanksgiving, I came here for the first time, walked in, sat down, I think three rows back and listened to the worship music, cried. And then Pastor Marco came on stage and told his story and while he's speaking, I'm thinking to myself, that background, those hardships, that's me. God can love me too. And at the end, I'm typing KPS. I'm it, I'm doing this. I didn't realize what that would start. And it's beautiful. I, it, it, it's a support of, hey, we want you to be one with us. I immediately signed up for Growth Track the next week. I sign up for small group. I'm doing a photography group with Pastor Gingrich, doing Beloved on Friday mornings. Saturday, I'm going to service, and Sunday, now I'm watching two-year-olds and I'm getting my baby fixed. I'm holding children again. The hole's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. I asked about being baptized, and I said, I wouldn't do this for me. So I called the church. I said, I, I need a specific date. If you can do this on February 12th, I'd really appreciate it. And he asked why that was significant, and I said, the day my son passed away, I want to turn an ugly into a pretty. My life has changed completely because of this church. I have joy. I have purpose. I still, to this day, walk on this campus, and that's the, I'm home. Feeling home is a gift. I'll be forever grateful for Cape Christian, and I've got my one on a lock, too.
So cool. Let me tell you two things that will never stop being true until Jesus returns. First of all, life breaks people. Life is hard. A lot of times we end up on the wrong side of the equation. But the second thing is equally true. Christ heals people. Jesus redeems people. She couldn't have said it better than Cora. He takes an ugly and he turns it into a pretty. He has a, this crazy way to redeem things and make the most of our worst. And it doesn't matter how far gone you've been, how many secrets you have, how many doubts you have, if you're willing to come to him. He takes all of your junk and he takes it on him and he gives you his best. And if you've never experienced that, before you pray, before you give, before you invite, we just want you to say yes to Jesus. Because the healing, the peace, the liking yourself, the enjoying life, the joy, it's only gonna be found in him. Life breaks people, but Christ heals people. Uh, before we close, we're gonna have an opportunity to say yes to Jesus and pray. But before we did, I thought it would be appropriate on the back end of the series that we kind of linked our faith, linked our hearts and united our voices in, in, a, in an anthem that's less of a worship song, but a prayer. It's a song we've been singing. It's that he will make a way where there is no way. And so I've asked the worship team to come back out and I want us to sing this together. But I, I don't want you just to look at the screen and sing the songs, but imagine this to be our anthem or our prayer. I want some of you to, to, to really lift your voice. And so if you're physically able, would you be able to stand to your feet? And, and Desi and the team are gonna lead us in this. And we're just gonna ask and we're gonna believe that God is gonna make a way where there is no way in your life, in your finances, in our church, in our community, whatever specific area you need that, imagine you're praying for that, that you're even prophesying over that where it doesn't look like there's a way right now, that God's gonna make a way. Guys, lead us in this song.
Some of you, you're here and, and you're saying, this is what I need. I need God to make a way in my marriage. I need God to make a way in my finances. I need God to make a way in my, my interior life. This is what he's in the business of. If you will lean, if you will exercise, if you'll stir up your faith, God wants to make a way. This isn't just about a building. The building is a necessary evil to reach people. We want God to make a way and we wanna tell a story that makes God famous and makes God proud. But I also wanna close, because some of you, you're listening to this about the power and the presence and the glory and you're talking here about darkness and evil and man, that's what I need. And we never wanna miss an opportunity here at Cape Christian to give anybody an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And so we're all gonna pray this prayer again. But I'm just curious if there's anybody here that you would just say, it's dark, you got a little privacy saying, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to say yes to him before I do anything else. Anybody, you can click online for every hand raised. I wanna ask all of us to pray this prayer together as we close. Will you pray this with me? Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Change my heart. Accept me now. Jesus, make me new. Fill me with your spirit so I can know you, walk with you, serve you, and compel others to know you. My life is not my own. I give it all to you. Thank you for new life. Please make a way where there is no way. In Jesus' name, amen. Somebody give God some praise in the house tonight. Hey, two things on your way out. First of all, you heard her say, I did the Cape, the Cape Yes thing. What that means is if you said that prayer for the first time, and every week we have people who say it for the first time, we would ask that just on your way out, you get out your phone and text Cape Yes to 94000. We're just gonna connect with you and help you to know how to walk out this faith journey. Also, we recognize you might have other stuff going on in your life and you just need somebody to listen with you, pray with you, stand in the gap, stand in faith. And so we have an amazing ministry team right there in our prayer room. They'd love to pray with you. Also, if you're online, there's a virtual prayer room as well. You can get prayer there. Um, I'm really, really excited to hear the stories of what God does to exercise our faith. There's so much spiritual warfare going on right now on our team and our staff. I'm so confident we're heading in the right direction. And so I hope that you are blessed, you're protected. Grab a pledge cart on your way out and we'll see you guys next week. God bless.